Welcome in to the Day in Sports podcast. Today on the show, we look back at the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. What do the teams that lost need to do to get further next year? Ken Wisenhunt goes to the Titans, the curious case of Alex Rodriguez, and me and Ben give you our tips on making the perfect salad dressing. Coming up. Start walking. Hi there. Ben Sherman, Adam Hawking. Adam Hawking, that's me. Ben Sherman, that's you. That's me. TDIS underscore Humblebrag on Twitter, the Day in Sports.com, the Day in Sports on Facebook, the Day in Sports on iTunes. The Day in Sports Coleslaw. Yep. It's uh marketable. We're in some Trader Joe's. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of a, a niche item. It right really now. sells well with the barbecue crowd. Yeah, they love it. Uh, we're huge in St. Louis. Yeah. Huge in St. Louis. Not just a baseball town, a coleslaw town. Bigger than Nelly, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard? Um, let's look back at the divisional round of the playoffs, Ben. Are you ready? Wait. Yeah, I'm ready now. Okay. I'm going to start uh, with the best team of all time, San Francisco 49ers, against the Panthers. What we kind of thought was going to be maybe the game of the weekend was a good first half, and then it kind of seemed like Carolina just retreated into their tortoise shell and just faded away slowly. For whatever reason, um, I don't know. I think it was probably a combination a little bit of uh, a dying of sorts on Carolina's offensive part. Yeah. Spirit was kind of crushed. And also San Francisco's defense just kind of took them out and swung them around immediately. And it was it was pretty evident that Carolina wasn't going to be scoring too many points. Yeah, I just thought, um, I mean, it was probably the chippiest game of the weekend after the play. I mean, Anquan Bolden didn't stop talking the entire game. Troy Aikman doesn't like that. No. Troy Aikman, I hate Troy Aikman. Um, not because, he, he, he hates everyone. Yeah. Unless it's like the Dallas Cowboys. And then he's like, I think DeMarco Murray's probably better than Adrian Peterson. Probably. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, everyone is just a loser in Troy Aikman's mind. You're the loser, Troy Aikman. Um, well, you know, he's had, 47 concussions yeah. recorded. He got confused a number of times during the broadcast. He'd be like, what down is it? He, he was just... Where, where anyway, am I? I'm getting sidetracked on Aikman, but I thought... Um, I thought, like, the 49ers were so... I, I thought both teams were so emotional that Carolina kind of got over-invested in that yeah. kind of after-the-play type stuff, mm-hmm. and they kind of forgot to execute. And I think... Uh, Harbaugh would never tell you, but I think it was in San Francisco's plan to, like, try to get in their heads and make it, you know... Let's talk. Let's let's try to get them off their game plan because we're experienced. We're going to remember to execute, and Carolina forgot to execute. Yeah. And all they did was talk. Absolutely. I think um, they got after a couple penalties. They got so concerned with you know the he said she said he headbutted, but he didn't get a flag. But you flagged us for the headbutt. Um, that like he said, they just it wasn't. It wasn't, the, the focus wasn't really on the game as much as it was, uh, trying to make Anquan Bolden feel bad. The extracurriculars. Yeah. Um, and it also seemed like the refs in that game were a little over their heads. They, they missed, <laughs> that guy was staring right at Vernon Davis's touchdown in the end zone and confidently waved incomplete. Yeah. Even though it was a, clearly a touchdown. And then it just looked like they were struggling to sort of keep control of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when it's that chippy, 
Yeah. And I mean, how many how many referees do you have in the field at any given time? Five. Five, I think. Yeah. So, and then you know, twenty two large adult men yeah. fighting each other. It's like, well, we're really not going to do very well with those kind of odds. Plus Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Entering the the playing field. Yeah, he got a little a uh, little upset. Yeah, he does that. Um, I wanted to ask. Uh, well, we got a really good final four. Niners, Seahawks, yeah. as good as it gets. Brady versus Manning. Is this going to give you an ulcer? A stress ulcer? Yeah, I mean, it, you don't want to go to Seattle, but you kind of knew you had to. And I, I really, I guess I wouldn't want it any other way. If you're going to get there and, and avenge losing the Super Bowl last year, how else would you want to do it than to go through the hardest team to play in the toughest place? It's the storybook. It's, a, it, it's the it, uh, it, precursor to the storybook ending. I would also say San Francisco... This year, having to go to Frigid Green Bay, then having to go to Carolina, might be a little more prepared than having the bye week last year. Um, and then they got, they kind of routed Green Bay at home, and then they played Atlanta, who I don't think was nearly the team that Seattle is. No. Um, but I wanted to ask, do you think talent-wise, just overall roster, do you think the Niners are the most talented team left? I look at them probably having the best offensive line. I would say their skill position is not as good as Denver, but probably second best of the teams left. I would say they probably have the best front seven. They have five guys that have been first or second team all pro in the last two years. Um, so I think, you know, it's going to be hard to go to Seattle, but but if a team can do it, it's probably them. Yeah, I, I think they have, I wouldn't call them the most talented offense or the most talented defense. Probably number but, two in both. But the, the combination left. of the two, I think, yeah. is Probably as good or better than anybody else that's left. Yeah, because I would say Seattle has the best defense, but the worst offense. Yeah, well, especially right now, I it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Percy Harvin. Yeah, um, who died again when he came back. I called it. Yeah, yeah, I, you did. He's he's not poisy. He goes out there and he's so intent. It seems like he's so intent on making up for all the time that he lost. He just kind of goes. He treats his body terribly. Yeah, and and I think the Saints. It was interesting. One of the announcers said they would have called this Bounty Gate had Greg Williams still been there because oh, yeah. they were. I mean, there were some headshots on on Percy Harvin. It looked like that was maybe in the game plan. Yeah, I, I think that first one, um, that first really big shot he took going down the sideline. It was just. It looked like um, Bush was just coming in trying to make a play, and Separated that from stuff the ball. happened so fast. I was you know? Did that get flagged? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. a, a. I think they gave him a, a targeting or a hit on a defenseless yeah. receiver. Um, just to wrap up Niners Panthers, I wanted to ask, I, you know, I, I thought the Panthers were better than what they showed, yeah. um, on Sunday. I, I think they had a better season than losing by 13 to the 49ers. Yeah. I, I just thought they, they underachieved and they got kind of overwhelmed. H- how close do you think they are to making a Super Bowl run and, and what pieces do they need? I think it's really important. I kind of, I kind of thought this would be the way it played out. They're not as experienced in a week off, you yeah. know. I mean, we did say if, if, if the game's decided by two touchdowns or more, it'll be the 49ers. Oh, yeah. And um, to be honest, I thought they looked really kind of scary in the first half. Mm-hmm. Cam had a really nice touchdown pass to Steve Smith. Um, but I do think Steve Smith's getting older. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, he maybe his knee was acting up in the second half. He, he wasn't quite the force in the second half. Yeah, he kind of disappeared. The first half. Um, but I think that they've got enough pieces in place that they could go out and make a move in the draft and... Be close to back to that same position next year. I mean, their defense yeah. is as as good as it gets. For yeah, the most they part. they could not touch the defense, and that unit would be fine. They need to re-sign Greg Hardy for sure. Yeah, uh, he's a really good pass rusher. And then I think if they got you know one receiver, 
uh, that was truly the guy. Like you said, they, they're going to have enough picks where, and they don't have a lot of holes, if you could move up and get the top one or two receiver in the draft, you know, slide Smith, Steve Smith to the number two spot, and then you have Greg Olson. I think, you know, the difference between the divisional round and winning the Super Bowl isn't that much. Yeah. I, I think one player really could be the difference for them. And I think, you know, Steve Smith still got, he's always been kind of a vertical guy, mm-hmm. um, and he still has that that speed in in some situations, but, you know, with his age, you almost wonder if they'll think about putting him in the slot and playing him like yeah. Wes Welker or, you know. using Because he still has the quickness. He might yeah. not be able to, to run away from everybody, and he's yeah. not. He used to be real physical after the catch, too, yeah. even for as small as he is. Um, so I, I think you're right. If they could just find a guy that could almost, it's like putting a pitcher down in the rotation. Yeah. If you could slide Steve Smith to your number one starter to your number three starter, I, I think he could be very effective. I think they, one other thing I think they do need to do, I mean, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart have been there for since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Yes. And uh, it'd be nice to see them go out and get like a bell cow back a younger guy who can carry the ball 30 times a game. I mean, can you imagine how good they would be with a with a guy like Eddie Lacy? Eddie Lacy, or... yeah. Yeah, that'd be a frightening team. Yeah. And, and and as good as as Cam Newton is running the ball. Although, I did think, boy, they kind of, you know, a lot of teams run the read option and get the quarterback on the perimeter. But, yeah. But Carolina will run Cam Newton right up the middle like he's a fullback. Yeah. And they did it numerous times. I, I know he's as big as Roethlisberger, and he looks indestructible, but... To me, that that's risky. Well, he took a couple shots to the upper body too, yeah, which right you don't want to see, and yeah. bouncing his head off the ground. But um, yeah, I think Carolina's got got some potential to, to yeah. be back in in the conversation next year. Um, Seahawks Saints. Yeah, I thought that was uh, a good game. Kind of got interesting towards the end. Uh, 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 New Orleans got a late touchdown, then the onside kick, and then Marcus Colston for some reason could have oh. gone out of bounds and then lateraled the ball. They would have had. A shot at the end zone with two seconds left from about the 28-yard line. Yeah. And Colston just got out of bounds. So unlikely that they would have won, but possible. Yeah. Um, but but to start the game, I thought Seattle dominated almost by accident. Like, they, they didn't play that well offensively. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, again, completed just nine passes. I don't know how long that can keep going. But the defense was great, and the crowd... I swear that crowd wins them games. It, I, it I, won them that game, I think. Yeah, I mean, I just heard that, that Vegas has started giving an extra point. It, rather than the regular three, they, right. they give four now, and I think they almost should give more to Seattle at home um, because you just can't. It, it's literally like playing, like having another person on the field for Seattle. You've got to, I think, if if you're really going to be successful there, you've got to have some offensive success on your first possession. Have to. It's got to be early. You got to punch the crowd. Goal, you know, if you start moving the ball, they're going to get quiet. Mm-hmm. So it's three and outs on that first possession that yep. really fires them up, and then they get just it rocket. Builds. Yeah, yeah. And then and the Saints tried to maybe late in the game go a little no huddle, and that tends to the crowd, you know, can't get to the fevered pitch mm-hmm. quite as quick. Uh, I think that's something that, that anybody, San Francisco, going in there has to look at. You have to establish the ground game mm-hmm. against them. Um you have to have, and they're vulnerable to that. They are I mean, vulnerable. They, they've to that. shown that they are. That could be. That could actually coming up. That could work out really heavily in San Francisco's favor. Yeah, you've got you know a, a run blocking offensive line for San Fran, a, mm-hmm. a, a good run game, um, and and Seattle's so aggressive defensively that if you can if you can run on them, it, it puts them back on their heels. Um, but is Seattle the best home field? I, I think it's the best home field I've ever seen in any sport. They they registered a, another earthquake. Yeah, on Marshawn Lynch's touchdown run. Have you ever seen a crowd like this? No, yeah. it's scary. I mean, it's it, it really is. And for the most part, um, 
they're more aggressive, I think, in person than you would than you yeah. would think on TV, and that's hard to imagine. But they're that's a frightening bunch of people. Yeah, the crowd's right on top of you, and and the defense. It almost feels like the defense. I mean, obviously they thrive off the crowd noise, yeah. but the defense gets scarier as the crowd gets scarier. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's, I think that's a, a really good, um, indicator for, of defenses. You know, some of the great defenses you've seen, um, really have a good crowd to kind of push yeah. them, push them along when they're, when they're cranking. So, um, and I just think, you know, you're right. You have to get up early because if you get down 10 nothing or whatever, like Seattle did 13 nothing or, or like New Orleans did, I'm sorry, you just don't really have a chance to come back because then you have to throw the ball. Um, and the other thing you can't be doing is audibling at the line of scrimmage yeah. much. Yeah. Um, you need to go up, uh, like they used to do with the West Coast offense, maybe script your first 15 plays that you want to run, mm-hmm. just so that everyone has a plan that even if communication breaks down, here's what we're running. Yeah. This is the play. Um, where do the Saints, you know, Jimmy Graham was a complete non-factor. Drew Brees is 35. Is their window closed, or do they have another shot at it? I still, I mean... Despite Drew Brees' age, he still plays as well, I think, as, you know, most quarterbacks in the NFC, if not the league. Yeah, still an MVP candidate this year, if not for Peyton Manning. They have, other than Jimmy Graham, though, I mean, Marcus Colston has been Nothing. nowhere yeah. all year. And I like Darren Sproles. Um, I do think that they need... I don't think Mark Ingram's the guy. No, I, I don't think any... They, they're another one of those teams. Um, I don't know if it's like the... If you'd liken it to the approach that... New England has taken in the past, but like they don't invest a lot in running backs. No, um, I guess they kind of did with Ingram, but that really didn't pan yeah, out. Yeah, that was the time it didn't work. So I, I, I think they they're really missing that because I mean, if you pair Darren Sproles with a a nice you know running back that can carry the ball Between regularly, the, yeah, you get a little thunder and lightning action going. I think that they could be successful. They need a, a wide receiver badly though. Yeah, it's it's just too bad that they didn't get any lazy instead of Mark Ingram. Yeah. They got the wrong guy from Alabama. I thought Rob Ryan um, overachieved with the talent that he had. He that defense kept them in the game. The I mean, s- the scheming was was really great on his part. I thought, and and I thought they kept. You know, Marshawn Lynch broke a few late runs, ended up with 140 yards late. But I thought for most of the game they bottled him pretty well. And again, like we said, Wilson only nine completions. Um, is it possible that Seattle and San Francisco? is the real Super Bowl. To me, the the two best teams are playing in the NFC title game, the two best defenses, and I think that their styles are going to work better in New York and MetLife than Brady or Manning. I think um, I think it is probably, I, I if I had to choose a conference where at this point with the Final Four where I thought the Super Bowl the winner would come, come out from and be the NFC. But that said, I think if... San Francisco can win in Seattle. I think they've got a better shot at beating whatever team comes out of the AFC than Seattle does because they have, they're, with their offense the playing offense, the way it is yeah. and they're not going to be at home, it's not going to be the same thing. You know, it's not, it's a different yeah. kind of beast. Yeah. You certainly can't have Wilson completing single digit passes on a neutral field in the Super Bowl against, yeah. you know, Peyton Manning. Um, and I do think, I really do think, I just wanted to ask that question because I think, it's interesting that we are. I think we're getting the two best teams in the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. But any of the four left, if they won the Super Bowl, I don't think any of us would be that surprised. No, I don't think so. Um, I would say my biggest, if New England won, that would be the most surprising to me, just because yeah. of the injuries that they've dealt with. And if that happens, clearly Bill Belichick is the is the best evil coach genius. ever. Yeah, in the history of everything. Yeah. Um, 
I'm I'm excited though. This is these are two games that are going to be really great to watch. Yeah, as good as it gets, yeah. really for football fans. Um, the Patriots decimated my pick, the Colts. Whoops. <laughs> Although I did go three and one this weekend. Yeah. How did you do on picks three? Were you three and one or four I, and zero? Oh? Uh, I haven't. I don't remember. Four and zero. Oh. Four and zero. Oh. Wow. The TDIS crew heating up in the playoffs. Eric, how'd you do? Two and two. Two and two. Still heating up. We were all one and three last week, so that was it's better. A, that was a bad start, but we came back. Hey, we don't even wake up until it's it's conference championship. Yeah. Stuff. I did. I really. I I kind of thought with the Colts, and it happened the way I I thought it might. Turnovers. They got down early, and yeah. they. On the road, it's a lot harder to have that majestic comeback yeah. than when you're in your comfy little uh, Lucas Oil field house or whatever you want to call it. And I thought after throwing four interceptions or three interceptions against the Chiefs, luck would be dialed in. He threw four against yeah. the Patriots, seven picks in his two playoff games. We've given Andrew Luck a lot of credit, and he has sort of escaped the criticism that, that Kaepernick and RG3 and Wilson have undergone, maybe because... It's almost like we already paint him as a guy yeah. that's made it. Or... Well, and he's setting records yardage-wise and, and that way. But... And he just seems like he's 35. Yeah. Kind of. But I think he does have maybe questionable arm strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have like a Joe Flacco or an Aaron Rodgers uh, or a Kaepernick or a Stafford-type arm. Yeah. And for, you know, there's there's always been those stories of him having a photographic memory and he never forgets a defense. If he never forgets a defense, are we to believe that Every time he, he throws a pick, it's a defense he's, he's never seen. He saw seven defenses that have never before been constructed in the playoffs because yeah. he threw a lot of bad passes. Part of that is has a lot to do with the sample size. I mean, he's thrown the ball probably twice as much as as some of the other. I mean, tw- twice as much as Russell Wilson. That's and, true. And um, he's asked to do more. He's asked to do more. And you know, without Reggie Wayne, um, T.Y. Hilton has been kind of hot and cold. Uh, yeah. But I do think he he's just trying to do too much, and I think that's what's kind of causing a lot of the issues that they're seeing on their offense right now. And if you look at that Colts team, I mean, T.Y. Hilton is a glor- he's a good player, but yeah. he's li- I mean, he's not a number one. No, he's a two he, guy. He's, he's a good two guy. He's a two or he's a slot with his size. I mean, Donald Brown and Trent Richardson is nothing. That defense doesn't have a lot of talent. I mean, Andrew Luck really is kind of carrying that group. Cleveland's looking like a, a rose after that Trent Richardson deal because yeah. he really. Has disappeared. Apparently is exactly who they thought he was. Maybe even worse. Yeah, because he is, I mean... Nothing. He's nothing. nothing. Um, meanwhile, the Patriots just kind of keep rolling out players that no one else wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, LeGarrette Blunt and Akeem Talib. How Tlaib. about LeGarrette Blunt? Would you have believed that the Patriots had scored 43 points and Tom Brady doesn't throw a touchdown pass? No, I wouldn't have. Um, would you have believed that when LeGarrette Blunt? Punched Punch that a, guy in the face. Punched an opposing player after following a game, a, a loss in a game, that he would uh, somehow be playing for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick and being successful. Let me tell you something right now. When he punched that guy out, I said, get his bust ready for camp. Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, I, I, to be honest, after watching that, I, you watch the guy, he kind I mean. He deserved don't it. Don't punch, you don't punch people, but that guy deserved it. If yeah. anybody deserved to get punched in the face, it was him. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It was a good swing, too. Wasn't it? Yeah, really connected. Oh, no, it wasn't like he didn't wind up or anything. It was like he turned and popped him and then... Right in the chin, and that guy just disappears from the frame. Down he goes. beautiful. Down goes Frazier. But it's like, okay, so I pick against the Patriots, uh, against the Colts, and now I'm starting to think, I don't know why, but I should pick the Patriots to beat the Broncos. Yeah, I... And I don't know why. There's this tiny little voice in the back of my head, too, that's going... Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and he's just Peyton Manning. And you know, Pey- I think Peyton's 
and and rightfully so. I think Peyton's a little bit more nervous going into this. His legacy depends way more on whether he wins than if Brady's got three yeah. rings. It doesn't matter to him. Well, I mean, it, obviously it matters to him, but it doesn't matter to his legacy really. Um, you know, if if he doesn't win this, and if the Patriots lose, it's you know, well, look at all the injuries they had. You know, they yeah. they did they overachieved for for what they had, but if they win, everyone's just going to be you know raging pretty hard on them. I think. Yeah, and I I look at Denver, I see. Demarius Thomas, Wes Welker, Eric Decker, Julius Thomas. I May, just, maybe the most athletic um, receiving core I've seen in a long time, long time, and, and much more talented than, than the Patriots. And you have Peyton Manning, and yet in the elements in Denver, it's going to be probably not freezing but cold, mm-hmm. windy. I just kind of trust Brady to operate better, even though it's on the road. You see Peyton's feet get a little choppier, a little happier in the yeah. playoffs. Balls tend to sail a little bit on him. He wasn't great. Uh, against the Chargers, oh. so I don't know. We'll, we'll get more into that game. Um, but what do the Colts need to do to advance further next year? I, I, I think they need a receiver. I, I don't know what they do at running back after investing a first-round pick. I, I, I think you'd like to see um, Reggie Wayne come back because up until his injury, he was he was having a great season. Be interesting to see how at thirty-five or whatever how much he has left. But yeah, you're right. They were a different team with him. They need, but I mean, it's it's kind of the same story with a lot of these. Competitive teams this year, I, the piece that they're missing is a go-to running back. I mean, mm-hmm. again, like you, like like we saw in New Orleans and um, in in some other places around the league, they don't really have anybody. And I don't know if it's a combination of their offensive line not being great run blockers and kind of crappy running backs, or if the running backs just suck. Yeah, um, it's hard to say, but I. I it, there's only one way to find out, I think. Well, and I think you see with the teams that are left, you either have Brady and Manning who, you know, the, the Patriots have kind of turned into a running team yeah. by committee, but you either have uh, Brady or Manning who can overcome just about any lack of having a running back on their roster, yeah. or on the other side you have Frank Gore and Marshawn Lynch and two powerful offensive lines. So you either need to have a running game or two of the best quarterbacks in, in history to make it. You know... I thought what I thought was really interesting is both the Patriots and the Broncos uh, ran the ball a lot uh, in their wins this last weekend. Patriots had 230 plus rushing yards. Yeah, and uh, I mean, no Sean Marino and and Monte Ball, uh, kind of the committee in Denver had a, mm-hmm. had a good day. Especially Marino, he's he's looking like the kind of their go to guy. And I think um, I think being a running back for Peyton Manning is. It's like being a catcher for Greg Maddox. Yeah. You, you can just put the mid out there and it's going to be where... Because he's always going to get in the right look. You know that you're not going to run against a front that you shouldn't run against. Yeah. He always gets in the right situation. Uh, he's so efficient that I think running back... I think Peyton Manning even makes the running backs on his team better. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's exactly like you said. He's not going to He's not going to get up to the line of scrimmage and call a run when there's nine, ten guys in the box yeah. and put you in a position to, to fail, so... And he's especially with some of those different looks their offensive their offense gives you know he's he's utilizes them a lot of the backfield to him little little wheel routes and, and swing passes and stuff like that and screams Omaha 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 just like Aaron Rodgers does his uh what what's Aaron Rodgers' one something thirty nine three eighteen three eighteen sometimes he gives you a blue thirty nine razor does he I don't know probably he probably does twenty nine's the mic yeah. 318. 53's. I, I want just once in my life to be able to call out the mic. I was always a blue 82 guy. Um, I'm a white 80. White 80. Yeah. That's 49er stuff. We should all be lucky to be white and live to 80. That's true. That's true. Advantageous. Chargers Broncos. 
Broncos kind of dominated for three quarters, I thought. Chargers made a late run, and then Peyton had to make that third and 17 completion to Julius Thomas on the sideline to hold off the rally. Yeah. Kind of took everything Denver had. I, I was texting my, my friend from uh, where I used to work, who's a huge Denver fan. He texted me after the game that he was uh, in a cardiac ward. Um, as he should be. As he should be. And, and Bronco fans with Peyton Manning are kind of, they think they're kind of like, we can't do it in the playoffs. So they're, but Denver really dominated for, for three quarters of that game. Does the rally that the Chargers made worry you about Denver? Um, I, I really thought there was a lot of similarities between Denver's performance and Seattle's performance. They kind of underachieved, I think, as far as people thought they would for their, the respective one seeds on either side of the fence getting a home game in the divisional round against what should be, a Probably an easier opponent. Yeah. Um, Although division opponent. I, I don't know if it worries me or not. I guess I think it, it was important for them to get the ghost of Ravens past out of their out of their craw there, and they did that at least. They needed to win a playoff game with Peyton Manning, I yeah. think. I yeah. think they just needed to feel, even if it's against the Chargers. I mean, that's a team that played them tough all year. Phillip Rivers, I was kind of disappointed in him. Not that I could really be any more disappointed in him. You really him. don't like Phil. I hate Phillip Rivers. Um he was giving me like the Jay Cutler temper tantrum. He does that. He's just a hothead. Like, Come on, man. I mean, you don't want that from your quarterback. No, you're supposed to. And uh, somebody else made a really good point. You know, you didn't see any of that from Andrew Luck when they got down by no. 28 points to the Chiefs. Just keep playing. He wasn't yelling at people and and kicking dirt and you know crying like a baby. He just kept playing and good stuff happened. Granted, Rivers did kind of engineer a comeback, but they only scored 17 points yeah. against the best offense in the history of football. Yeah. So. Yeah, here's what worries me about about Denver and also New England is is all the injuries they've been able to kind of manage, and you know even whoever wins out of the AFC is going to be a much more depleted roster than than who comes out of the NFC injury wise. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at Denver, you know quarterback is obviously the most important position, but I mean next in line would be left tackle and probably a pass rusher. Yeah, Von Miller's gone. Their left tackle Ryan Clady hasn't been there. And now Chris Harris, who played more defensive snaps than anyone on their team at cornerback, tore his ACL. They have some major, major injuries, and, and it's going to be, like it always has been, Peyton Manning's job to score 35 points. Yeah, and I mean, and on the plus side, they're facing a depleted Patriots offense, at least from their perspective. You don't have to worry about Gronk, um, so I think that helps quite a bit. Yeah. It'll be really, uh, it'll be a really interesting game to watch, I think. From a defensive perspective for Denver, who do they have uh, filling in at cornerback? Um, you know, I know it's, it's, a, oh, oh, it's, it's a, um, it's um, it's a name, it's a well-known name. I just can't, I don't have it. Is right it Cromarty? No, um, Jammer. Quentin Jammer. Quentin yeah. Jammer. Yeah, and he's he's a big-bodied guy. Um, a little past his prime. Little past probably his well prime, past his prime, but better than you know having. And there, there are several other cornerbacks in the league that start for teams that I could think of that I would. The Minnesota Vikings come to yeah, mind. Cry, Chris, your Chris <laughs> Cooks of the world aren't out there at least uh, throwing fits about plays that happened ten minutes ago. Um, so what are the Chargers? I guess you know we asked about the Saints as their title window closed. I don't know if the Chargers had a title window. Um, Rivers is still a good quarterback. He's yeah. another year older. Matthews, their running back, is so injury prone. They're not great on defense. You look at the Chargers and it's like. Maybe they, I don't know if they overachieved this yeah, year. Yeah, I think they totally did. The AFC was a little watered down, so I, I guess yeah. somebody had to get there. I mean, they were 5-7, and seven, then they ran off five in a row, including the, the wild card round. But 
I would be more surprised if they were back in the playoffs versus missing the playoffs next year. Oh, yeah, me too. Especially because I don't think that they have, you know, Keenan Allen is, is a nice, talented guy to have on your team, but he's not, I wouldn't put him at, you know, a number one wide receiver. No, he's not, he's not, he doesn't look like Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss did as rookies. After the, the divisional round wrap-up, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some news. I think it broke yesterday. Ken Wisenhunt to the Titans. Yeah. Um, the thing that I thought was most interesting about this was that he was kind of a hot name. He was really good in, in Arizona yeah. as a head coach to lead them to the Super Bowl. Really good with, with the Chargers this year. And everyone thought, he's the hot guy. He's kind of a shoo-in for the Lions. That's the job. You've got Stafford there. Yeah. But... So, so seemingly he had his choice, and he picked the Titans over the Lions. Yeah, does that say something uh, to me? That that smacked of there's something wrong with the Lions culture. Do, yeah, do you think that? Absolutely. I, I really, I, I was thinking about it more and more. It's like, it's kind of that. Say the Detroit Lions are like the Chicago Cubs of football. Like it's just they seem like snake bit. It's yeah. It's like they have the worst luck. No matter what happens, that Detroit's like slowly dying around them. And to be fair, who really wants to? Take on that whole ball of wax. It's a tough division. Yeah, I think um, that's true too. The AFC South is much. It's softer, man. Softer landing spot. Yeah, and they he, there's younger talent. I think in Tennessee, um, Matthew Stafford's really a, a great quarterback. Calvin Johnson, obviously, probably the best wide receiver in the league ever, or you know, one of them. Whoa, whoa, yeah, 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 whoa, I, I, I know. Whoa, hey, oh, I got I got something else to say about that later. But okay. uh, I think there's just there's younger players. Um, it gives him a chance to kind of install his own you know culture there as mm-hmm. opposed to in Detroit um it's got it's a lot a, of personalities to overcome yeah in, in a lot Detroit. of personalities and you know you you've got a lot of uh, a lot of ghosts of Jim Schwartz I think flying around the halls of uh Ford Field in or the, the Silver Dome or wherever they're playing these days um and I just I just thought you know he ends up ba- basically picking Jake Locker and Chris Johnson over Stafford Reggie Bush Calvin Johnson yeah Nick Fairley and Dominican Sue. I mean, talent-wise, it doesn't even seem close. But I guess you have Bill O'Brien in that same division, two kind of rookie head coaches. Maybe mm-hmm. that appealed to him in that, you know, the Texans are building from the ground up. The Jaguars are, are pretty much nowhere. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it was just the division thing. And the Colts kind of, you know, were the winner by default this year. They didn't finish well, but nobody else in the division was really playing. I think they well. went undefeated in the division. I think it's probably the the best spot for him to go to make an immediate impact and kind of maybe hope to make the playoffs in his first year as head coach. And then do you, just from the Titans' perspective, do you like the the hire of Wisenhunt? I do. Um, of it, I guess I, I don't know how big of a role he really played in Arizona's success. He, yeah. he definitely helped kind of prolong Kurt Warner's career yeah. and then definitely kind of revived Philip Rivers this past year, so... I think if there's one thing to look at, it's been that he's been really good with quarterbacks, yeah. and I think that's probably what the Titans are hoping is that either Jake Locker has his best year this upcoming year, or they draft a guy after. You know, if if Locker doesn't produce this year, then then they're gonna be drafting a guy. I feel like Jake Locker, for whatever, he's just like a he's not he's not like a real person to me. I, I think I feel the like Titans almost don't seem like a real team. Yeah, it's like uh, it's just a bunch of made up. You know, characters. He's a video game. I, I really do think that it's probably getting close to time for them to cut ties with Chris Johnson. Um, yeah, I think they may trade him or, him, or, or cut him because he talks a lot. He doesn't produce that much. He just seems like a malcontent there. Yeah, he is, and he's you know, he the way the way he plays, it's just it's it's lightning in a bottle. It's either gonna he's either gonna break a bunch of runs all year long that are really long, 
If anybody gets their hands on him, though, it's over. I mean, because he's small, kind of slight guy. Like a leaf blown in the wind. Yeah, I mean, I, I and he, he's kind of getting to the end of his useful life. He's, he's got some here. got some tread on the tires. Put a couple bullets in his head. Why not? <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. Oh, I do. Speaking of wanting to kill people, Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Sues Major League Baseball, even though he got his suspension reduced to just one season. Yeah. From 211 games or whatever it was to 162. So he's suing baseball and pretty much everyone else uh, that he meets. Yeah. He's um, very litigious, that Rodriguez. He can be very litigious. Um, I think he's suing our podcast yeah. right he's now. He's suing us, yeah. for sure. We are definitely being sued. I think sued. we were on the top of the list for, you know... At least top three. Our mockery. At least top three. Um, the legal analyst for, for ESPN, I think it was Lester Munson. Oh, man, I was hoping it was Roger Cossack. Roger Cossack. It might have been Cossack. I don't, I don't know. They, Cossack they look guys. the same. Um, Never trust a Cossack. No, you can't. Um, but he said this would end badly for A-Rod, that, that federal judges would not be happy that he was appealing an arbitrator's ruling. Yeah. Um, and now you've got Tony Bosch going on the air and saying, I injected him with HGH and peptides and testosterone. Um, it's like, what are we really left to do? Here, here's the only way I can ask this question is 10 years from now, when I guess maybe the A-Rod hatred is forgotten a little bit and you just look at his career. Yeah. Are we going to see anything but PEDs? Or, no. Or, or will he ever, will we ever look back at him? I think even with Barry Bonds, we look back and say, well, he was still a great player even though yeah. he cheated. Will we do that with Alex Rodriguez or will it always just be obscured by the type of person he was? I, I think it's absolutely going to be obscured. Um Look at, I mean, even though we can admit that Barry Bonds is a great baseball player, he's never going to be in the Hall of Fame. And no. He, and he holds a major league home run record, asterisk. Um, and Alex Rodriguez is just, he's, it's kind of like the Ryan Braun thing where it's like, I, I refuse to admit that I did this. I yeah. refuse. It's like, if you would just shut up and admit it and take your medicine and move on, people would respect you a lot more. I mean, you're probably still never going to be in the Hall of Fame, but. Yeah. And, and just the, the almost sociopathic way that these guys, Braun and yeah. A-Rod, believe that somehow we are supposed to yeah. believe, well, like with A-Rod, I, I took steroids that one year in Texas, and then I realized the error of my ways because I'm such a morally And dig- how dare you accuse person. me of doing it again? Yeah, cheaters never cheat twice. Um, but apparently, uh, this Bosch guy was saying he was injecting him in the playoffs. Um, A-Rod wanted to be the only member of the 800 home run club. And it was like A-Rod really believed, I think, kind of like Lance Armstrong, it's not cheating because so many other people can do it. Yeah. And if I can get to 800 home runs, then I will be the greatest baseball player of all time. I, I just think that these guys get wrapped up in the myth of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Narcissism at its yeah. best. Yeah. You know? Narcissus, just A-Rod just staring in that reflection. Yeah. And then he fell in. I'm not a narcissist. I just like to watch myself exist. <laughs> what is that from? That's a know. great quote. I just, I just, I read it somewhere. Um. Book he, reading. He's a he's a kind of guy that is just he's always going to be an a hole, a rod a hole in yeah. everyone's minds, <clears throat> especially uh, in this whole thing. Ba- basically, the players' union has agreed. Everyone's agreed that once an arbitrator makes a decision, that that's the decision. And yeah, that's the, that's the end all be all. That's the third party. <laughs> that's who you go to for the decision. And now, yeah, he's suing the, just the players' like, union. He's he suing like Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, he just. I don't know what he's hoping to accomplish. I can't imagine what his thought process is. How hilarious would it be if he really was innocent? And that's why he's doing all this. Oh, it'd just be perfect, wouldn't it? Just a man fighting the good fight. Yeah, it's, you know, we try to clear his name. Can't catch a break the second time around because everyone hates him so much. It's going to be like the story of the hurricane, Denzel Washington. Yeah. Except not at all. Um, it's enough A-Rod. 
We don't have a planned last segment, so let's take a break. We're going to take a break. I have I have some stuff I want to ask you about. Ooh. It's uh Is it a question 3 or is it just going to be weird question? Fun stuff. Weird fun stuff. Yeah. Question form coming up on the other side of the break. TheDayInSports.com. Welcome back to the Day in Sports podcast. TDIS underscore Humblebrag on Twitter, other places, stuff. The Odds and Eds segment of the show. This is the way we live. This is where we make our bread and butter, I think. This is very William Faulkner stream of conscious segment. Yeah. As I lay dying. It's going to be our tour de force. It's like that uh, the Science of Sleep movie, which made no sense. Just like that. I actually, I, I didn't invest fully in it. Um, sort of like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, except not at all, but I was watching that today. Great movie. Isn't it good? Great movie. Is that, that's a Dreyfus, isn't that's it? That's a Dreyfus that's, film. That's one of my favorite, favorite Dreyfus performances. Kind of creepy, kind of yeah. quirky, but also kind of funny. Not quite as good as he was in What About Bob? Or Bill Pullman in Independence Day. Right. Yeah, that'll give you goosebumps. Yeah. Um, but it's good. So, okay, uh, the, I had some stuff I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Kind of migrating a little bit back toward football, um, I want to talk a little bit about the Pro Bowl. Okay. So the Pro Bowl, yes, uh, they're trying to really... Everyone's favorite non-event. They're, pre- they're peppering us with excitement. They're trying to make it an event this year. Yeah. Deion Sanders and Jerry Rice are the captains. And uh, Deion saying that he's going to suit up and a real captain should follow suit, encouraging Jerry to do the same. To which Jerry replied, I'll crush you, you maggot. Or something <laughs> like that. Or some such nonsense. Um, how do you feel about the Pro Bowl? Are you going to watch it? I always watch part of it just because it's on, and I like to see the Hawaii scenery, yeah. and it's sort of football. I guess I it would be more interesting to me if they took this to like the nth degree and just had an old-timers game. Yeah. Um, they kind of do that, but, but nobody wears pads or anything. And right? I think they do it like on the beach. They do like a sand yeah. football game. I don't know. The, the Pro Bowl is just... You can't really have a football all-star game because it's such a brutal sport, and it right. just doesn't really work. Um, and even with drafting different people and mixing up the conferences, it's still an all-star game. I don't really care who's on, on what team, but just because it's the NFL, people will watch. And it's a lot of ado about a game that, that, that I guess doesn't really mean that much in the final analysis. Literally much ado about nothing. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I think if it doesn't, if they can't find some way like this, maybe having like, if those guys really, I don't think they will, but if they really did suit up and, and play, um, you know, if they don't find some kind of gimmick like that to draw, you know, viewers, it's going to be dead in the next five years. I always wish they would do, like, a skills competition. Yeah, like that would have, be a lot more interesting. Like, watch quarterbacks and see just how strong their arms are, how far can they throw it, or, like, have, you know, Calvin Johnson race Chris Johnson in a 40-yard dash, or whatever. You or know? a horse, an animal. Yes, yeah, Carl Lewis style. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think they could do more than, than just put on a, a mediocre football game. Yeah, it's... Uh... It kind of seems like they're they're trying to keep it relevant without really changing it very much. <laughs> um, plus, moving it to where they moved it before the Super Bowl, uh, not even all the best players are playing. Yeah, a lot I mean, of these guys don't want to because they don't want to get hurt. Yeah, so you see guys like Calvin Johnson bowing out and things like that. Um, so, yeah, unless they, they do it like the skills competition thing, I don't think they have any chance of really upping the ratings. Mm-hmm. I think this Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders thing is maybe a one-year ratings fix. Big PR stunt. It's a big PR thing. I have a question for you. 
Okay. It's day in sports related. What do you think of the day in sports rigid corporate culture? Um, it's shocking. Yeah. Uh, to say the least, I really do think that the workplace environment that's been developed here. It's almost hostile. It's very hostile, and I think it stems from Eric. It's be honest. It well, certainly, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. Um, the dress code is a little strict. He's always berating me. Yeah. For my sweatpants and my facial hair. It's black tie, and you just you've refused to conform. I've been boycotting it. Eric wears a tuxedo pretty much every podcast. He does. Sometimes he dresses down and just does a blazer. The the double-breasted approach I appreciate though. You know, just with that top button buttoned. Sometimes he'll even go pinstripes. It's a good look. It's a good look. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the corporate structure. I, I think the I think the brain trust is uh it's firing on all cylinders. It's our corporate culture is in place for a very good reason, and it's that we need to produce the most professional podcasts of all time, with a six month old baby staring at us while we podcast. He is the chief executive officer, and he is a rigid taskmaster. He's a he's kind of a slave driver. Yeah, to be honest about Silas. Yeah, uh, it's it's. Really, uh, especially the use of the whip seems unnecessary. But... He's profane uh, for a baby that can't talk yet, and he's probably the most frightening His baby. His chemical dependencies are really the most disturbing thing about him, I think. Straight-up six-month-old alcoholic. Yeah. It's terrifying. My next question. Well, and my last question. <laughs> you are now a member of the Twins organization. Yeah. What will your first trade be? I'm going to get rid of everybody. Yep. Um, give away the entire team, uh, for Alex Rodriguez. Yes. And make him our only player. He's going to play all positions. Even though he's suspended. He's going to, we'll have ghost runners and he'll take every at bat. Um, that's my approach. That's what I want to do. That's ballsy and I think it just might work. It's going to sell a lot of tickets. Yeah. If nothing else. Yeah. Just to see what happens. The Minneapolis area A rods. Yeah. The Minneapolis rods. That was good. I, it just came. Do you have one more tidbit for us on the podcast? I got there? a couple, actually. We're going to talk a little bit about college hockey. Ooh. Uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers kind yeah. of back, uh, back where they've been in years past in the top spot, uh, especially uh, when it comes to polls. They took a crap in the college basketball arena. They did. Well, I wouldn't call it a crap. Um, in overtime, they fell apart. They took the number five team in the country to overtime in East Lansing. And then fell apart. And then fell apart. I, I thought they were going to win that game. Well, they should have. They were up by, they had the lead. They're, in the second half, they had no business even being in that game because they couldn't make a field goal to save their lives. Yeah. So, uh. Sorry to sidetrack. Just wanted to mention. Kind of, uh, more, uh, I think it says more about the vulnerability of Michigan State than maybe yeah. about the Gophers. Hopefully a little bit about both, but, um, but back to college hockey. Uh, I guess I'm still kind of bitter that the WCHA is has been dismantled, or at least as far as I'm concerned as a Gopher fan. Um, Minnesota playing in the Big Ten co- Hockey Conference now, the newly created Big Ten Hockey Conference, but really outside of kind of the same cast of characters that have always been good, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota, um, all of these hockey clubs are pretty awful. I mean, they've been competitive for the most part, but I mean... You're talking about kind of jumping into a conference with some of the best teams in the country, yeah. and you've had a club team for the past however many years. Um, funding, at least right now, for some of those programs is isn't there or is really low compared to so. Explain the to bigger me teams. what a club team is versus. It's it, it's like um so I mean an NCAA Division One team 
Um, you have to meet certain standards to be, you know, obviously a part of a Division One hockey program, um, whatever the NCAA's requirements are. But also, it's, I mean, it's really, uh, it's really comes down to funding and talent and mm. recruiting. And so club club teams are like dudes hanging out at the local. Yeah, rink. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a step up from intermurals. Yeah. Okay. Basically, okay. that's like, frightening. Like the. University of Wisconsin Eau Claire's lacrosse team was a club team. Okay, they still compete. I mean, they're, they're still playing tournaments. They still have an opportunity to win, whatever. Um, but it's not. It's not the picking grounds it, for the NHL. It's not. Yeah, it's not the. It's not. Maybe it'll turn into something after this kind of integration, and you know, when the funding changes and the, hopefully the attention goes way up for these programs. Um, but for right now, you know, the Gophers don't get to play. As often as they they used to against teams like um, St. Cloud State, Colorado College, premier uh, programs, yeah, Denver. Um, so I don't know. I, I think maybe and maybe it will work out, and maybe it's be- what's best for the Big Ten. But right now, it just seems kind of all money driven, and it takes a little time sometimes. It does, but it doesn't make you happy. Either way, Gophers are on top, though, top of the country. Are they ranked number one right now? They are, and they have been for almost the entire season. Mm-hmm. Does that make your purple and gold heart swell with pride? Uh, it does. I'm go for college hockey has just been one of those things that you, uh, growing up especially, you just expected them. I I expect them to win a national championship like every other year. Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, I'm very disappointed. Well, at least that's something that that the Minnesota uh, conglomerate can yeah actually bank on. Yeah, that's the only thing. I mean, and, and the links. Yeah, that and the links and uh, and uh, 1987 and 1991 World Series wins, and that's it. We just need a time machine in Minnesota, yeah, so we can go back. And celebrate Kirby Puckett. The women's college hockey team, the Gopher women's team, is like, uh, they had their win streak snapped, but it was like the longest in women's college hockey history. They won the national championship last year. Twice. Yeah, that was their second in a row, but they went like, to win the, to win the championship last year, they went like 40-something and 0. Mm-hmm. Um, really unbelievable. And they were close games. I, I watched uh, their final two games uh, in the women's version of the Frozen Four. Um Women's Minnesota Hockey, yeah, unofficial sponsor of the Dane Sports oh, Podcast. They are, and they are some. Nothing really more attractive to me than an aggressive hockey playing woman that could beat you. That's like beating up on some other woman, but also without a hair out of place. Only a woman could pull that off. Only a woman. Um, what's your so yeah. What's your next little tidbit? So that was college hockey. Uh, I had one more, just fun kind of. We couldn't find any pop culturey stuff to talk about. Um, today, so I just had a fun question to end on. Okay, we were great. talking a little bit about Golden Globes and yeah. movies and such. If you, Adam Gray Hawking, put on your beret and get out your director chair, yeah, if you're making a multi-million dollar movie, okay, uh, cons- almost an unlimited budget, okay, what would it be about? Ooh. And who would be your leading man slash woman slash both? This is a great question. Is it? Are you excited? Um, yes, because I always think that there aren't enough like alien sci-fi movies that like are mainstream enough that everyone can watch them. Like, Not since like Alien? me, um, that don't go straight to video and end up on the sci-fi channel, and they're about like an enormous spider. Um, so I would make it about alien invasions because... Like, the War of the Worlds scenario is the most epic thing that you can come up with. It's not just humans versus humans. It's the entire human race versus another race. Another race of of sentient beings. So I like that. Um, I think Leo DiCaprio is a little bit overrated. I like him. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I wouldn't go with him. I would also not go with Daniel Day because he's too method. Yeah. Not really. He's not an alien guy. He's not a blockbuster type guy. Kind of like your classic Americana guy. Bill Pullman, always good. Yeah. Um, but that's really more of a joke well, than been, it is it's, reality. It's been done. Oh, who would be like like my protagonist? Yeah. My guy that you're, saves the day. You're leading your leading man. I don't know. Can you give me some candidates? Yeah, I absolutely can. So well let's let's kinda you, you ruled out Leo and, and such. I'm gonna rule uh, out Christian Bale. You're ruling out Christian Bale. You got your Matt Damon's. Okay. You got your George Clooney's. Um Clooney is almost like he's too charming yeah. for me to believe that there's something epic going on. You know where I would go? I'm a Brad Pitt guy. Ooh, he, he uh, can do almost anything. I know my answer, actually. Okay, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, you're doing it. What? Because, have you seen War of the Worlds? Great. <laughs> so, in it. so are we making like another War of the Worlds? Is that what's happening? Well, he's also in that weird movie that I didn't see with Morgan Freeman. He likes the aliens. Is that stuff. Oblivion? That was good. Yeah, I didn't you see that. See that? It's really good. He's a Scientologist, so he likes the alien stuff. Yeah, he's weird. He's also the guy does nothing but make entertaining movies. He's a great actor. Time after time yeah. after time. He's so entertaining. I want him as my hero in the epic. He's He's got almost that scrappy little yeah. engine that could. He's a little guy. I just like him. He just makes me... He can be fu- He can be funny. He can be serious. He can be sarcastic. He's got it all. I'm trying to think who my damsel would be. That's a tough one, too. My damsel in distress. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, Scarlett Johansson guy. I was thinking her, but I think sometimes... It's been done a little bit. She can be one note. Yeah, and I think she's a little one-dimensional. She's always like, hey, I'm really sexy, hey, which we, we all know. Just stare at my voluptuousness and don't listen to what I'm saying. I also think if you go cruise, you have to go a little older with the damsel in distress. And I do think I haven't seen enough Julia Roberts lately, but okay. she might be a little too old. Yeah. How would you feel about ditching Tom Cruise for your okay. for your leading man? I'm open. And going with a little uh, Joaquin Phoenix? He was really good in signs. He was good. He's good in almost everything he's in. I haven't... Yeah. He's a weirdo. He's a total weirdo. But he can play, like in Signs, he was like a very normal, funny yeah. guy. I thought Great in Signs. He was great as Johnny Cash. If he would do the character from Signs or something approximating yeah. that, I would be fine with it. Mel yeah. Gibson also good in that movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good candidates, I there guess. Well, like I feel like it's... we're leaving out some leading men, though. Like we kind of just, I feel like there's a, maybe we're not. Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano. James Gandolfini. Tony, Tony Bennett. Um... Bo Ryan. Yeah. No, you know, I don't know. I, 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 like I said, Leo is kind of like the go-to guy. Yeah. This day and age. Oh, I'll throw out a name that might be a little off the beaten path. Idris Elba. Ooh. I'm a big Idris Elba fan. I can, I can see that. Um, Thought he was tremendous in The Wire. Yeah. And You liked him in Pacific Rim. Awesome in Pacific Rim. Yeah. Oscar buzz. Yeah. Also incredibly handsome. Mm-hmm. And I just think we haven't seen him enough in the epic protagonist yeah. role. Which I would like to see. And he's a he's he's got a very dusky handsomeness about him. He's very handsome. Um very, very handsome. What about what if you just went curveball Kurt Schilling? And went with uh, yeah, Kurt Schilling. Cam Neely, no. Uh what <laughs> if you went with uh Steve Carell in an alien movie and just went funny. Turn it on its ear. Uh you might as well just go Ben Stiller. Like yeah. 'cause those two guys can only play like two roles. I I thought that for a very long time. Uh, I was telling Eric this also. You should see the movie The Way Way Back. Okay. It's kind of up your alley. Uh, it's a coming-of-age movie, and Steve Carell plays like a total asshole. Really? Yeah. And he does it like you, really, you really don't like him. And I, I can appreciate that, because finally I was like, you're not you're not just that funny guy. Okay, I'm coming up with some other candidates here. Okay. Um, 
Jack Nicholson just too old to do anything anymore. Totally. Same with Al Pacino. Johnny Depp um, kind of has that same Tom Cruise ability in that he can be funny, serious, and multifaceted all in one. I don't think he does the the epic alien movie very well. No. I don't think he would do he'd that. Have to, it'd well. have to be kind of that comedy funny. Yeah. Like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Denzel. Ooh, Denzel. Always a good candidate mm-hmm. for that type of role. Um, Tom Hanks. Haven't seen him in that role, and he can do pretty much anything he yeah. wants. Maybe Tom Hanks is the guy. Sir Lawrence Olivier. No. Um, God, this is a really nice paper. Michael Caine. Tom Cruise, like I said, is, is always up Michael there. Michael Caine. If that guy was only 16 years old. <laughs> But I, I'm I'm almost I don't know who who else would you put in the female role? Who's the best damsel in distress? What about like a Selma Hayek? I like Selma. She's I think, lovely. I think she's plateaued. I can't uh, understand a lot of what she says. Um, Penelope Cruz has the most annoying accent of all time. Can I yeah, just say that? And I, well, I'll put her. I think she's is she Colombian? Put her in the mm-hmm. Penelope Cruz. I put her in the same accent, obnoxious accent boat as uh, Gloria from Modern, Modern Family. Family. Yeah. What's, her, what's that woman's name? Sofia Vergara. Sofia Vergara. Yeah. Um, I I guess I tend to lean a little bit more. Uh, well, hey, well, how about uh Jennifer Lawrence? I was just thinking that. Um, I'm looking at the greatest actors of all time. I'm going to try to pick some people out. You should put Miley Cyrus in the leading female role. Humphrey Bogart, little past his prime. Clark Gable. Uh, I think they're both dead. Yeah, both dead. Daniel Day, Clint Eastwood, too old. Uh, Clint Eastwood should here. be dead. Burt Lancaster. Ooh, little Sean Penn. He doesn't really do that role very well. Burt Reynolds. Definitely. Must be Burt Reynolds or something. Must be Burt Reynolds or something. Fred Astaire. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, No, I like, okay, I like Jennifer Lawrence. Dustin Hoffman. Throw Dustin Hoffman in there. He can do anything. Little Kramer versus Kramer. I like Jennifer Lawrence, and I'm going to stick with Tom Cruise. It's going to be not only an epic alien movie, it's going to be an epic spanning generations love story. Okay. She's like 25 and he's like 103. <laughs> what do you think? I want only I only want Tom Cruise in the movie if he plays this character from Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Uh that really kind of fat, that could be arranged. Aggressive guy. Yeah. That was amazing. Um I don't know. I just I feel War of the Worlds 2 coming. Well, I hope so. I we know. can only hope. I know, but I mean, if I'm going to invest all my millions of dollars in this. Can I flip it on you? What type of would you make a similar type movie? I might also go like Lord of the Rings type movie. Yeah. I just feel like there's a Star Wars and a Lord of the Rings void in my life. Yeah. I wish I almost ever would have seen them because they were so good. You, have you seen Smaug yet? No. I don't want to see it. I, well, don't, I don't think those movies are don't, good. Don't tell me about the void. You haven't seen the, the entirety seen... of the first one and you haven't seen any of the second one. They, I saw the first... Uh, believe me. I, there was a reason, there's a reason I stopped watching <laughs> the first one. you got to be patient. Oh, Mr. Hobbit! Yeah, we. I. It is it was for four year olds. It was elongated, yeah. but once you kind of get to the action, I think it's. Uh, I need more orcs. You Urukai. The entire second half of that movie is literally orcs, goblins, killing, chase scenes. The original nudity. Three Lord of the Rings didn't turn me off at all. I was amped. I was ready. I know. You're an Elijah I, Wood guy. I want that for your leading man. Eh, too effeminate. I yeah, think. He is. He's too effeminate. Guy. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Great range. My father's game. Ooh. Ooh, Vigo. 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 I replace it. I'm putting Vigo no. in because then I'm getting okay. I'm getting Lord of the Rings guy in an alien movie, and then I'm set. Okay. I see. Let I me flip it. Put my thing down. Flip it and yeah. reverse it. What kind of movie would you make? Okay. And who would your damsel and leading man be? I'm a I'm a period drama kind of a guy. Of course. I like uh, historical fiction. That's accurate. 
Um, Nerd alert. <laughs> Nerd alert. I, uh, I'd probably go with, I, I really actually, um, am excited to watch this show coming up on the Discovery Channel, that Klondike show about, uh, it's kind of a historical fiction, uh, historical drama, drama fiction about the gold rush, obviously. Okay. Um, I think that would be kind of a cool thing to make a movie about, but since we're making a show about it, I won't choose that. Let me throw two more male names okay. at you. Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. who is, was like a weird kind of just pothead for a long part of his acting career, has turned into like a great method actor. Yeah. Um, more multifaceted than we would have thought. And then a guy that's, that's kind of fizzled lately, but who I like, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe? He's good in that epic. I do role. like Russell Crowe. Have you seen, um, what about Hugh Jackman? Can't no. forget Hugh. Can't do Hugh. Did you ever see the, the updated version of Les Miserables? I'm not a musical guy, so I will not watch that. I am not either, but I tell you what, they killed it in that one. You can belt it out. Oh, all of them. I mean, I, probably the best performance comes from, uh, Ms. Hathaway. I don't like her. And Hathaway. I don't either. She's I don't irritated. like her. But she, you gotta just watch part of it because she was really good in that, and I don't like her at all either. I I hate her in almost everything she's ever been in. Yeah, she's um, just an irritant. But it's just it's really it's very powerful. Uh, you should check it out. Move to tears. I would oh, imagine. Very lots of goosebumps. I got one more female candidate. Who okay, I'm, I'm vibing on lately. Yeah, as the kids say, Emma Stone. I like Emma Stone. Yeah. Little young, little young. Saw her in a Spider-Man movie. Thought she was good in that. I'd like to see her in an adult film before I make my mind up. Like a pornographic yeah, type film? But classy. Yeah. Like soft porn. High budget. Yeah. Lots of, lots of, effects. lots of costumes, <laughs> special effects, and you know, <laughs> okay. uh, set changes. So my pairing is either Cruz and Jennifer Lawrence or McConaughey and Emma Stone. <laughs> Neither one of these can miss. I feel like just both are going to be massive flops. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to put a lot of marketing money <laughs> into it. It's going to be like Walter Mitty. You're going to see three million commercials for it, and then nobody will go to the theater for I, it. I want to make a movie about um, going, like living in Greenland and like searching for rubies. Living in sin. Yeah. Living in somewhere in some obscure country and searching for rubies. And, um, you know, people, you know, the, the shenanigans that happen when you're ruby searching. In Greenland. Yeah. This is your, this is what you want. Pretty quiet out there. Out of your, well, yeah. out of your Maybe film. Maybe Iceland. I could be talking to Iceland. Reykjavik. There's a penis museum in Reykjavik, I guess, that my cousin went to. Pretty weird. So, uh, Ben wants to make a movie about a penis museum. <laughs> I'd like to make a movie about aliens with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Um, I'm going, I was just kidding about the ruby thing. Oh, okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to make, my movie is going to be very serious, but also a feel-good movie. Um, I'm going to go with Daniel Day for the leading man role, because he's a period drama guy. Yes, he is. Uh, and for my supporting actress role, I'm really going to throw a curveball and uh, go with Joan Rivers. <laughs> that <laughs> doesn't make sense. I think, you know... She's ready to break out. <laughs> this is finally her time. Hey, you never know until you put him in the role, right? Yeah. We really beat that horse to death, I think. Yeah, talk about um, insignificant BS to end the podcast. Hey, full of sound and fury, signifying absolutely nothing. If you don't enjoy that, there's Another something Faulkner really reference. wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what we do for you yeah. every day. Next week, or ne- not next week, still this week, on Thursday. So next time on the podcast, I think we'll do a big conference title game blowout. Am I right? Yes. Previewing Niners, Seahawks. Broncos Patriots will give you our predictions and other madness, and Eric is going to play the acoustic guitar. Yeah. So that is all what you should be looking for on the next podcast, thedayinsports.com. 
Thank you for joining us. James Taylor covers also from Eric. All coming up next time. Thank you for joining us.